Good morning. Today's scripture passage is from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and, and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, and a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. Thank you, Christine. Good morning, Antioch. It's good to see all of you and be here together this last day of the year. It's crazy how fast that went. Isn't it crazy? Uh, It's been a good year in a lot of ways, and and next year is going to be even better. And we're just looking forward to leaning into that faithfulness of God, that steadfast faithfulness of God. Well, this morning we're coming back into the book of 1 Timothy, the first letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to this young man in ministry named Timothy about like how to do this job that he's sending him to. And we looked at, we took a break for a couple of weeks for Christmas, but we looked before at how Paul had given Timothy, he met this young guy and as a way of discipling him and helping him grow, he'd sent him on these various assignments. Sometimes it would be like, hey, go to this city and just like meet with people and come give me a report on how they're doing. Or go to this place and like communicate this or encourage. And, and he had these different ways in which he grew. And then, uh, and then here he's given the assignment to be the pastor of the church in Ephesus. And Paul's writing to him to say, Here's, here are some things you should keep in mind as you pastor this church. And one of the first things he does is Paul reminds Timothy of his testimony. You know, Timothy, your testimony is is a very common one, like your grandma knew the Lord, your mom knew the Lord, and and you grew up learning about the Lord and following him. And that's, you know, that's his testimony. It's kind of like mine. A lot of us have this testimony. It feels kind of like, um, it doesn't feel real dramatic feels kind of soft and wimpy when you share it. It's like, well, no huge dramatic change. And Paul's like, well, let me remind you of my testimony. You've heard it before, but I want you to hear it again. Like, I was heading down this path against Jesus, persecuting followers of the way, and God chased me down and interrupted my path, knocked me off of my horse, blinded me, caused me to see Jesus as he is, and I committed my life to the very one I was persecuting. And I've been a herald of this gospel. And both testimonies are important. Both stories, no matter how we come to Jesus, we want to tell our stories to remind ourselves that it's this good news that anybody can follow Jesus. Anybody can be forgiven for their sins. Anybody can become a child of God if we put our hope and trust in him. And it's the gospel message that we build the church on. It's the reason why we're here. 
because of the good news about Jesus and our, our choice and our trust in following him and how God has met us there and changed us. And so keep telling stories. And, and uh, we talked about that and, and finding out other people's stories with the main point of don't lose the gospel. We could be the church, we could be a church that gets our focus on other things and forgets why we're here. Don't lose the gospel, guard the gospel, hold on to the gospel, and keep it central. Then we come to this, uh, this the beginning of chapter 2, and in this, in this paragraph, Paul mentions the importance of praying, and the importance of praying for our leaders. We spent uh, about four months looking at prayers in the Bible over the summer last year, looking at all these different times when there's prayer... You know, a prayer talked about, and that, that can be a model prayer for us. This passage doesn't include a prayer, but it's an, an encouragement to pray. It's a reminder to pray today. It's this, this reason why prayer is important, why we should be praying, and it's relevant, especially as a year when we come in. There's been a lot of, of uh, chaos in the world in this past year. Uh, there will be more chaos in the coming year. I guarantee it. It's an election cycle. <laughs> it's going to be nuts. So this is important for us to be reminded why prayer is good and why prayer is appropriate for us as we pray for our leaders. So let, let's pause before we dive into this paragraph and, and actually pray and talk to the Lord about it. Father, thank you for for giving us this book, First Timothy, and, the, and preserving these words for us because we need them. Lord, today we need, your, we need a reminder to pray. We need reminders as to what's important here. Everyone else will be telling us what's supposed to be important to us. We want to know what you think is important to us. We want to hear from your Holy Spirit and your word that you've given us to guide us and keep us grounded and strong in Christ. So Lord, uh, speak to us through your word. Help us not to miss what you're saying in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we dive into this call to pray, which is what this passage is about, I want us to see something we might otherwise kind of miss and it's, it's really a context or a theme underneath this passage that carries through this paragraph and the next one that we'll look at next week. And it has to do with the idea of lines of authority. There are authority structures in this world. And, and he talks about it here. Um, today he's going to refer to two different types of authority that's in this world. Now, we're taught, kind of, as Americans, to be skeptical of authority, right? To be a little bit suspicious, to beware, and rightly so. Um, every person who is an authority over you, I hate to say it, but is a sinful person. Everyone who leads you, a government authority, your boss at work, surprise, surprise, they're actually a sinner. You, maybe you didn't know that yet. And... and and, and we also know this concept that uh, power corrupts. So take sinners, put them in authority, and then power corrupts even more. 
And we have a lot of abusive leaders. We have a lot of problems. Government is, can be kind of a mess. Uh, we, have, we have all kinds of reasons why we should have checks and balances, and we should be able to like hold people accountable. And, and we've been burned by authority. We will be again. But yet, in all of that, Paul's reminding us the authority structures themselves are not a bad thing. They're actually something set in place by God. And so in that sense, there's this call to remember and honor lines of authority. And he talks first about the government. He says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings, and those in authority. He says we should pray for our government leaders. He talks about kings, other people, and other line, roles of authority, and all people who they lead. We should be in prayer for them. Now, inside this passage, we might miss it, is another authority structure that Paul refers to, and that's kind of this theological authority. That's legitimate too, and he lays it out right next to this human authority structure, where we have, we have one God, one united, there is one God. He said there's complete unity in the Godhead, but even within that, there's the Father that he talks about. God the Father, God the Son, the one mediator between God and man. Uh, he doesn't mention the Holy Spirit, but we often hear about the Trinity, that our one God is three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He talks about the apostles in this passage and their role of being heralds of the gospel. Um, he's writing to a church who's receiving teaching from an apostle and giving truth to the world. So there's like all this authority structure in government and in theology, and God's okay with that. Even though a lot of those, some of those roles are populated by people, <laughs> it doesn't mean the structure is bad. And that's important to remember in this context. Because what, what is he not calling us to do in regard to the government or human authority in this? He's not necessarily saying when they mess up, we should rise up and rebel against them. <laughs> when they mess up, we should gripe, we should complain, we should be bitter, we should be angry. He's not necessarily saying when someone comes in power who's dangerous, we should be overrun with fear. Rather, he's calling us to pray. Paul even reminded them in Romans chapter 13, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. There's no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. And it might be really tempting to say, yeah, but you don't know our governor. You don't know our president. You don't know our, and I am just mean in general, no matter who it is or what your opinion is, you can point to somebody and we can say, yeah, but shouldn't, can't, don't I have a right to complain about them? Paul was writing to a church who was under Roman rule. And the Roman leader at that time was Emperor Nero. Do you know anything about Emperor Nero? 
Nero was one of the nastiest leaders in the world, not just in his day, but in history. Nero hated Jesus, and he hated followers of the way of Jesus. He hated them so bad, one of the things Nero is known for, and there's documentation of this historically, is he would throw parties at his palace. And he would invite his friends to come over, and they'd be night parties. And so to light up the room, to light up the area and the gardens for his night parties, he would take Christians he'd taken into prison and tie them up on stakes all around and douse them with oil and light them on fire. Tonight, to light his evening parties. This is a bad guy. This is a horrible, I mean, can you imagine Paul's writing, he writes what I just read to the church in Rome, of all things, and he's writing about praying for our leaders in, in Ephesus. And they had to be going, yeah, but Paul, really? It's not about the person. This is about God and our, our respect for what God has set up in place. And Paul is calling us to pray for our leaders, to pray for them. He said, I urge then, first of all, that petitions and prayers and intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings, for those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior. I don't hear bitterness or resentment in that. I don't hear squirming and wiggling and fighting in that. I don't hear hopelessness or fear in that. It's just a simple call to pray and to pray that our leaders would lead in a way that would be good for people so they can grow. It's not about the people or the leader. It's about our God uh, who we can cling to during uncertain and difficult times. It's a struggle for us to hear this because we have this impression, and I mean all of us, I think, and society in general, that prayer is kind of weak and passive. Like there's other things we could do. Shouldn't we take action? Shouldn't we step up and do something about the problems around us? It's part of our American way anyways. Get up there and do something, and by comparison, prayer seems kind of weak, like kind of pathetic. Oh, you go hide in your closet and pray. I'm going to get out there and do something. It's a common mentality, but I want to remind you today, no, I'm not saying don't do something. I'm not saying don't take any action. There's a time to do all that stuff. But I want to remind you today, prayer is not weak. Prayer is not passive. Prayer is not ineffective. Prayer has more power than anything that you or I could possibly do. Because prayer is the time when I go and I talk to Almighty God, who's at the top of any authority structure that anybody can ever imagine. Prayer is the time when I talk to God who in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel says that it's God who sets up kings and it's God who takes down kings. 
And this was Daniel, who was also under some pretty rotten kings who were throwing him into the den with the lions and into the flaming furnace. He was actually in the, the situation where they're being burned alive. And he's going, yeah, but, but I know God, and God will set up people, good kings and bad, for his purposes, and when God is done with them, he will remove them from power. I get to talk to the one who does that. That's not weak or powerless. That's, that's fellowship with ultimate power. And we get to come and make an appeal to God for what we see as, the, as our needs, as people living under those authorities. That's a big deal. We can trust God. We can lean on him. Now, I want to give you a, a, just a heads up to be aware of. Be aware of, of fear. Fear creeps in, and fear, fear causes us to want to trust other things. If I'm afraid of, of this leader, I might throw my hand in with this one because they seem strong enough to confront that one or that problem. And now I'm under a strong-arm leader <laughs> who ends up being a bully or whatever. Fear is a, is a problem, and everybody knows fear has power. And so as we come into this election cycle years, what I'm talking about, your, your fear will be touched. If one candidate can cause you to, you should vote for me because you should be afraid of the other person. You're going to hear that message from both sides, from everybody. And the media does it too. You should keep tuning in for the next part of the story because this is really scary stuff. Fear is the currency of power. And they will spend your fear to gain more power. So as people of God, I want to realize I don't need to be overcome or pushed or pulled by fear. In the next letter, Paul writes to Timothy, he reminds him, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. We don't have to get pushed or pulled by fear. We fear the Lord, and he'll take care of our earthly struggles. We trust in him because he has power to make a difference. We don't have to run to people in power or worry about how people are going to use power. We go to the one who holds ultimate power, and we talk to God about our lives and about our struggles. Prayer is connection to power. Prayer is relational connection to the one who has all power. We're talking to someone who loves us, who cares about our life, who cares about our struggles, who cares about whether or not we get to live in peace. And so in the midst of like, how do we live out our life? How do we follow Jesus inside of our government structure, inside of our political environment? We pray. We pray. And he lists different kinds, different ways to pray. This is actually really cool because he doesn't just say, hey, you should pray. You should pray about that. He actually gives us like four different ways to pray. And he lists them out on here. There's, there's petitions and prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving. Now, at first thing I want to say is there's a lot of overlap in the meaning of those words. They're not entirely different from each other. 
Uh, I read one commentator said that he read something from John Calvin, and John Calvin was like, I don't even know the difference between those four words. They all just seem like prayer to me. There are some differences between them, and, and, and it's kind of cool. The first is petitions. A petition is something kind of formal that we bring, right? If you're going to petition a leader for something, you're formally bringing a request to them. And so we get to petition God for our requests. It's like officially coming before his throne. And I'm going to ask him to do this for us or ask him to take care of that need that we have. And, And then he uses the word prayers. And I think about like the Lord's prayer, just really personal, really personal. We get to pray to God and, and ask God to like show us your will and forgive us for our sins. Help us to be faithful to you. I think about the old monk, Brother Lawrence, who talked about practicing the presence of God. And, and in his book, he writes about just like talking to God while he's doing the dishes. You know, just this access we have to, to conversation with God through prayer. And he uses the word intercession. Intercession is when I'm going to talk to God about you, like on your behalf. You have a need. There's a a crisis or a surgery coming up or there's a medical thing or you have a deep desire or whatever. I'm going to go to God for you. That's intercession. And I'm going to take your need before him for you. That's cool. And so we should be praying all of these different ways, including thanksgiving. He's like, as it comes to your relationship with your government, (laughs) pray for your leaders by giving thanks for them. That can be hard to do sometimes. That can be hard to do, especially if we don't, if you have a leader or a school board member or Um, whatever your leader is, school teacher at school, you don't like that person. Paul is saying, I get it. Now give thanks to God because God can do things through people that you don't like. God can work in ways that are really cool. So focus on the good and the opportunities. It changes our mindset and it empowers God's work. So we're equipped to pray for all these things. And now Paul wants to say, now we understand, like, we have these leaders, we're called to pray for them, what's our motive now behind it? What are we praying for? What is it that we want to happen? And he touches on one that I love this, because I can connect with this motivation really well, right? When we pray for our leaders, what's one thing I want? Peace and quiet. Anybody ever want just like, I just want some peace and quiet. Maybe after Christmas, (laughs) uh, especially parents, I don't know, or if you visited your your family or your in-laws, you're like, I need some time for me. I need some time that's not chaos. I need some peace and quiet. He touches on that. He says, pray that we might live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. He's like, peaceful lives, quiet lives with your family, with your friends. That's a good thing, but there's a reason we want that. There's a reason why it's good. It's so that we can grow in godliness, so that we can grow in holiness. If we have the peaceful times, 
and the quiet times in the way that we get to live, then we can build into it those patterns that lead to godliness. We can build a lifestyle and patterns that lead to holiness. And that's good. That pleases God. We should want those things. Now again, he's talking to people under a corrupt, horrible government. Can you think of any places on earth where there might be Christians, but their lives have been so disrupted that they can't enjoy peaceful and quiet lives. Can you think of any place on earth where that might be the case in 2023? There are a few places on earth where that might be the case. We've heard a lot about Ukraine. Can you imagine? The Russians are invading and they're in there and there's fighting and there's bombs and rockets and all this stuff. What if you were a believer living in Israel? What if you were a believer living in the Gaza Strip? You would not have peaceful and quiet life to build habits of godliness and holiness. You'd be on the run. You'd be struggling. And that, it's a call for us now, like saying, well, our lives are relatively peaceful right now. We should be praying for them so that God would settle their environment so that they can have peaceful and quiet lives. Do you know uh, about what's happening in the Sudan? Actual, actual question. Do you know about the Sudan? I didn't even know much at all. But they've experienced so much violence in the Sudan, which is in northern Africa, that uh, since April, nine months since April, over 7 million people have gotten up from their homes and walked away, like become displaced from their homes because they couldn't stay there due to the violence. 7 million people, that are more pe- that's more people than live in the entire state of Minnesota. And we don't hear about that because it's Africa. Violence in Africa is not important to Westerners, so it's not reported on. So I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't even know that. That's more people. Can you imagine if the entire state of Minnesota literally had to leave Minnesota and and move to Wisconsin of all places? (laughs) That would be national. That would be news all over the world. (laughs) More people than our entire state have been completely displaced in the last nine months. We don't even hear about it. I mean, that just tells you a lot there, too. We should be praying for believers in these places that God would change whatever needs to change in regard to leadership, to stop violence, stop wars, give them enough peace and dignity that they can live the kind of lives that can center on the gospel and promote Jesus. It's hard to do that when you're running away. Now, our lives have had disruption right here. That was really scary, too. We should be praying that, that things remain peaceful in our area. We should be remain, praying that there's good, healthy conversations about our differences, not ones that boil under the surface and then blow up every once in a while. Because we want the gospel to have space to be in, health, in conversations and to be heard. 
they say you can't really give the gospel to someone who actually needs food. You have to give, give them the food, and then we can bring the gospel to them. I think that's what Paul's asking us to pray for. So my motive is I, I like peace and quiet. God's like, yeah, peace and quiet's good if, it, <laughs> if it's building godliness and holiness. But then he gives us this second motivation from the heart of God that's really important for us not to forget. It says in verse 3, this, this is good. This is good. It, praying for peaceful and quiet lives. It pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. It is hugely important to the heart of God that all people would be saved. Jesus came for that end. He knew that not all people would be saved, but he wants all people to be saved. He says there's one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. For this purpose, I was appointed a herald, an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying in a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. In the midst of whatever crisis or difficulty is going on in the world, don't forget that God wants all people to be saved. God wants people who agree with you politically and the people who disagree with you to be saved. God wants people on both sides of this civil war conflict in Sudan to be saved. Whether they're Muslims or non-believers, wherever they are right now, Jesus died that they might find salvation in him. God wants Russians to be saved. God wants Ukrainians to be saved. God wants Israelis to be saved. He wants Palestinians to be saved. God wants your neighbor to know Jesus. And we might just be praying that our neighbor won't steal any more of our stuff. I don't know. But it's important for us to remember God's heart is that that person would actually come to know salvation in Christ. And we should be praying to that end. God wants our political leaders to be saved, to come to know Jesus. That's why Jesus came to this earth. He didn't come to make all the systems perfect. He came to save the people in them including the people around us and the people that we know. So it's important that we would stop and that we would pray and that we would remember God's plan A and that there really is no plan B. It's the salvation of people through Jesus. And we should pray that our, our environment isn't for us to enjoy, it's for us to be able to communicate the gospel. Our neighborhoods, our lives here are so that we can give God glory by telling the story of Jesus so that people can be saved. So this week, as we, as we reflect on this, um, I have three assignments for you, three next steps for you. One, uh, it'd be a good, good time just read First Peter or First Timothy again. You can read First Peter if you want. Read First Timothy again. Um, or... Think about 
to be much broader in scope, think about what you want to do in 2024 in terms of your discipline of reading the Word of God. Maybe you want to get one of those Bible reading plans to read the Bible in a year or to read the New Testament in a year. Think about that today. You don't have much time left. So think about, like, what's my Bible reading plan going to be to get me in the Word of God consistently through the year? And think about that. Um, There are a lot of plans available to help with that. The second one, spend some time praying for uh, our authorities, especially as we come into this political cycle and you hear ads or you hear, like, this person's running for that office, whatever. Just, Just, like, remember, you... It's not, your, your power is not in your vote. I know I could get shot for that in this country. I'm just saying, I'll say it. The power is that you have connection to the one who actually puts people in positions of authority and actually takes them out. It's not your voting that does that. You can vote, go vote. I don't care. But it's God who's in charge of this. Appeal to that authority. Appeal to the one, and he loves you and he cares about your life. How cool is that? So I want to remind you, like pray, it actually means something. And pray for someone to come to know Jesus. Pray for the gospel to win. Let's let's give this to the Lord in prayer now. Father, thank you for this passage and this reminder. We are not powerless people. We don't have to despair We don't have to fear. We don't need to run around or complain or try to fix things. We get to pray. We have something way better and more powerful. So, Father, I pray that you would help all of us, where we live here, to to be able to have peaceful and quiet lives and remind us not to just float through those times, but to to pursue our relationship with Christ, to pursue our own godliness and holiness in that. Lord, we do pray for people in in Sudan, in Ukraine, in Israel, in Gaza, in other parts of the world that are struggling, who don't have any of that peace right now. And I pray, Lord, that you would settle things and allow the gospel to be real there. Allow Christians to be able to make a difference there. And we pray for this coming year as people around us are going to go nuts with all the, the, the politics. Help us to remember that you are, uh, you are our King, Lord. You are our God. You are the most important one. You have my vote, Lord. And I pray that that will always be true. In Jesus' name, amen.